This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest. Tom Emirati is the Chief Revenue Officer, the CRO of a very cool cybersecurity company, Plain ID. It's P L A I N I D.com. Tom, welcome to the hot seat. Gary, thanks so much. Grateful to have the opportunity. Pleasure to meet you. So, you know, we love multi-factor authentication. A lot of people are worried in their cybersecurity offerings that, you know, are they defending ad authentication? But you're not authentication. You're the next step above. You're the authorization company, a leader in authorization. That is correct, Gary. Plain ID, the authorization company. You know, we're a six-and-a-half-year-old company. Uh, we're founded in Tel Aviv, Israel by two extraordinary founders. And I always like to point out our founders, uh, Gal and Oren. Uh, and the reason why I'd like to point them out is that uh, they have vast experience in the identity space. Oren was former deputy CISO of one of the largest banks in Israel. And Gal was early stage at two previous firms, Mimecast and CyberArk. Both are very well known and well steeped in their identity acumen. And they had this vision, they had the, the sense that authorization was going to be a real challenge in the future. So six years ago, they created Plain ID, they founded Plain ID and architected what we call Plain ID, the authorization platform. And as you suggest, Gary, it is the next step in the journey of securing trusted identities and their ability to access digital assets. Let's take that a little deeper. I believe you have Fortune 1000 types of customers, financial institutions. Tell us how they're leveraging you and how you add a lot of value to their offerings, to their consumer you know, and, and their clients, whether it's B2C or B2B. Well, one of the things that we've learned is history. So if you look at the evolution of technology over the last 30 to 40 years, from mainframe to client server, from client server to the internet and the adoption of cloud and mobility. These four or five key milestones in technology have also impacted our personal lives. Think about the role that technology has played in changing our personal lives. Think about 30, 35 years ago, there were no mobile phones. Uh, everything was a rotary phone. You would never have anticipated or thinking that you could actually transfer money digitally over a mobile device. Today, you pretty much can do everything off a mobile device as you can as if you were in person. So today, fast forward to today, cybersecurity threats, ease of user journey or um, freedom of user experience, positive user experience on anything we do across a digital journey like banking online or reserving a table at a restaurant, all of these things need to be done in a user-friendly way, in a secure way to make sure that our digital uh, transactions are safe and secure. And lastly, that our data is made private for, for uh, data privacy requirements, both regulatory requirements, as well as for our, our own uh, data privacy uh, desires and demands. So as a result, firms across all vertical sectors of all size, but particularly the very large firms are wrestling with these three main issues. And that is the 
challenge. That is the problem that plain ID and authorization uh, seeks to solve. And you've created something, I, I think, I don't know if you guys started the standard or the acronym, but PBAC, PBAC, a policy-based access control. Can you tell us about that and how it fits in the equation for cybersecurity? Yeah, I'd love to. So it's a great point. So historically, authorization, uh, just the level set, is not a brand new category within cybersecurity or identity and access management. In fact, authorization has been, for identity professionals, we've known about it for 20, almost 30 years. And historically, policies, authorization policies, have been written in one of two ways, something called role-based access control and something known as attribute-based access control. Both of these policy languages, if you will, have some dependencies. And typically these dependencies, like programming language, if you will, um, requires um, the expertise of developers or coders to create the policy, to manage or change the policies, and in some cases help enforce the policies. So as a result, role-based and attribute-based access control, they were good for the needs of the market 10, 15, 20 years ago. But as I'd mentioned earlier, evolution, evolution changes everything. And today, because we live in a digital world and a society where the concept of remote working is now more prevalent than not, the demands of consumers to buy and get access to services and good, goods remotely 24-7, no matter where you are in the world, has reached peak demand. So in order to protect and secure data and access to data properly, you need a better mechanism, a more flexible, user-friendly mechanism to create authorization policies. And that's what policy-based access control does. Without getting too technical, it is essentially uh, the ability to create and manage policies in a very user-friendly way. So someone like myself, who is not a coder, not a developer, does not have the ability to go online and start changing policies uh, way deep in the code level. It's now what we call the, the GUI, the user interface, is very much driven as if you would look at any standard uh, computing program. Pictures, icons, drop-down lists, and filters to create, manage, and enforce these policies. So in summary, authorization policies and what we call fine-grain authorization policies, which is a fancy way of saying uh, they're very detailed, very detailed sorts of policies to make them secure. We want to make that, those policies easy to create, easy to manage, and make them user-friendly to enforce so that the policies can be created quickly and easily. So Tom, does this mean that Plain ID collects identity markers? For example, my cell phone has, you know, EMEI information and GPS and, you know, where I normally am located and what country I'm normally in and, you know, what MAC addresses I'm using on average, you know, routers and things like that. Do you collect identifiers to help secure identities for this uh, authorization process? Yeah, fantastic question. So we don't necessarily collect it and house that data. What we do is we collect signals. So as an example, if someone is looking, again, I'll use the analogy of using your bank card because uh, it certainly happened to me on a personal basis and, and maybe many others who might be listening. 
that you might take a family vacation, you might fly far away, you might not have called your bank to tell them that you were traveling, which by the way, five, 10, 15 years ago, no one would think to ever have to do that. But now, if you get up, uh, get up one day and travel across the, the, the globe or the country and use your bank, bank card and, and are restricted access, that is an example of an authorization policy uh, taking into account potential risk signals such as Tom has never traveled to pick a city uh, far away. Tom has not been to Hong Kong in 25 years, but suddenly I travel to Hong Kong and I'm using my bank machine at a particular device that might have an IP address that is unknown, that is maybe not a mainstream bank, might be in, in a time of day, maybe very early or very late, which is non-typical of when I might normally do my banking in a geolocation that is not typical of where I normally am. So plain ID can look and receive these signals and then make a determination based on the pre-existing authorization policy, whether that uh, authorization should be granted or should not be granted. And again, that's all built into the policy. So we're not actually housing that data, but we are able to receive those signals to make an informed decision relative to the pre-created existing authorization policy as to whether the access to those services and goods, in my example, uh, cash coming out of a bank machine or making a money transfer uh, should be allowed. That makes a lot of sense. Now, for deployment of your solution, do the financial institutions and other clients and in other industries, do they, do they have to uh, uh, connect to a, a cloud secure environment? Is it, uh, you know, hybrid? Is it managed internally by them on a server? Uh, how do they deploy with you? Is it an API and, and some kind of security token? I'm just curious, and how quickly have you been deployed in your client base? Yeah. So our, what we call our deployment model or deployment methods is we have three mechanisms and we've really created uh, or enabled our authorization platform to accommodate three deployment models, which is really based on customer's comfort and customer desire. Because the, the firms that we support, they are, typically have large complex environments. They have to wrestle with things like uh, data privacy and data security, which becomes quite complex when you're a global firm and trying to accommodate uh, GDPR and, and regional compliance, data compliance requirements, number one. Number two, they typically have distributed computing environments. So things like API gateways, containerization, microservices, the large sophisticated firms today, as well as the medium-sized firms, have to contend with a very complex computing environment. So we architected our platform to help accommodate that. So number one, uh, firms can implement plain ID in a very traditional on-premise fashion. So firms will take our technology, we will help them. We have our own professional services organization, as well as we have a list of uh, certified and qualified partners, many of which are the, the large systems integrators, the big four, the big six, if you will, will help implement the solution. So number one, on-prem. Number two, we also have a SaaS-enabled implementation model, which actually balances the best of both worlds. It balances the advantages of modern cloud computing and SaaS deployment model, as well as giving a, a, the potential for keeping half of that installment or that implementation on premise. So it becomes a bit of a hybrid. 
And that's particularly attractive for firms that want to keep their data or sensitive PII information on premise. So to summarize, three deployment models really based on customer requirements, based on data privacy or their distributed computing environment, all geared to have the same level of feature function parity and functionality across our total platform. Tom, is there anything else you'd like to share with our viewers and listeners that we haven't covered today? Yeah, thank you, Gary. The last thing that I haven't mentioned is this concept of the plain ID authorizers. And why that's important to note is because as we've seen the demands of security and protecting uh, digital transactions for trusted identities to get access to these assets, we've also recognized that there is a pattern, what we call authorization patterns. It can also be synonymous with areas of risk. So if you're a large organization today, typically you've got a very disparate uh, computing environment. Again, you might have API gateways, you might have microservices, you might have containers, you might have large data hubs. This has become a requirement because of this distributed computing environment due to remote workers, due to massive amounts of data, and due to the demands of users, again, both employees and consumers that want to have instantaneous, immediate access to everything digitally, in real time, in a highly secure fashion. So we, again, credit to our founders, we had this vision. We built this platform that's truly just focused on authorization, number one. Number two, we've created this concept of the plain ID authorizers, which helps us enforce and control advanced access at these computing endpoints. Again, microservices, API gateway, and data lakes. And what this really is designed and intended to do is to drive both trusted access to data in the most highly secure fashion and, and creating uh, the most delightful and ideal user journey with little friction. And these, this concept of the plain ID authorizers of which we have created over a dozen today, we're going to build this marketplace where our customers and our partners can help create authorizers, again, plain ID authorizers, again, to really drive security and trusted access to digital assets across the computing environment. Because there's one thing we know, technology is always evolving, it's always changing. And in a, in a digital world, consumers and employees want the best user journey possible, but it has to be secure. So we're gonna continue to evolve with that as we build out the functionality of our platform. Tom Amirati, the Chief Revenue Officer of Plain ID, you've covered a lot of ground. What I've learned and what I think is so important is to reduce the risk of identity fraud and stealing data and really lock down identities in a new way, we've got to get Plain ID. It's that plain and simple, Plain ID. So I really enjoy this hot seat and I really think our viewers and listeners should go to www.plainid.com. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power.
Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Milewski.